What's up and welcome to Shop Sounds, a woodworking podcast about nothing. With myself, Nick Key of Key Woodworks, Jason Hibbs of Bourbon Moth, and Keith Johnson, better known as KJ Sawdust. All three of us are on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All right, welcome to Shop Sounds Podcast. Those up to Lou. Was that your intro? I was trying to do something a little different. Might might need to be a little polished up just a little bit for next time. Well, I don't know if you could tell, but I just, I, I wung it. You winged it. I winged it. Is it winged it or wung it? Both. Oh. Is it I really? Think they're synonymous, like preventative and preventive. Oh. Which, which oh, wait, BT what? dubs, I hate the word preventative. Hey, why? It's like, it's like you're stuttering. It's preventive. Preventive maintenance. Preventative. Yeah, you're right. That does sound stuttery. Speaking but of, they oh, are both <clears throat> acceptable. Man, I'm not going to get a word in edgewise in this podcast. I can already tell. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> well, I've tried to say something twice now, and Keith just keeps interrupting me. But that's well, fine. now you know how we feel every week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to our lives. Do I, do I do that a lot? No. Maybe a little bit. Oh, okay. You sorry. keep the flow going, Jason. You're the color man. I'm not going to say a word this whole podcast. <laughs> okay. I mean it. I'm not going to do it. Starting now. All right. Here we go. You don't believe me, but I'll do it starting now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. No, this isn't going to work. Okay, I'll talk. <laughs> I didn't think so. All right. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of messing up words, I was thrown together an Instagram post yesterday, I think, and I wasn't really concentrating, and I just typed it out autocorrect maybe it's my bad spelling anyways i messed up i said angel instead of angle oh that's common uh, and i didn't notice it for like 20 minutes and so every single comment's just making fun of angel stuff like, well it's good well it's better you didn't write anal yeah <laughs> yeah like they've oh, never man. misspelled a word before come on lay off uh. Yeah, you'd be real butt of the joke and then i fixed it so none of their comments made any sense anymore so ha Oh, Take you fixed that. it? Yeah. Hmm. That's no fun. You should have just let it roll. Yeah, maybe. It's amazing the things people will pick apart. Yeah. It's always I the little things. Good engagement. Oh, yeah. They they love nitpicking. Uh-huh. Uh, myself yeah, included. Fun. Oh, you like to nitpick? Yeah. Yeah. Lots. Because <laughs> I never do anything wrong. Yeah. I, sure. I take you as a nitpicker. <laughs> Very fastidious nitpicking. Uh, I just lost my. I remember my third grade teacher. I said something and I was trying to be all smart about it, and she called me some adjective. Oh, persnickety! Don't persnickety. be so persnickety, Mister Johnson. Is that what we're calling you today, persnickety? <laughs> <laughs> I had another one in on the, in the queue, but we can go with that one. No, I no, I think now I, I think we know. need to hear. Now you got Yeah, what 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 do we need to call you? Well, Jason is kind of aware of this because he's seen me with my shirt off. Oh <laughs> yes, I like where this is going. Oh wait, are we sure this isn't after show material? <laughs> I'm gonna try to keep it uh, PG ish. Okay. Uh, Family but, show. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have what you might call undersized nipples. I mean, they're small for a man. And, you know, my friends always seem to, it draws their attention. Is it the nipple or is it the areola? What's? 
Well, it's both. Yeah, it's the Ariel. It's the whole, it's the chocolate chip is what it looks like. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't have those like quarter size, like manly nipples that most guys do. So morsels <laughs> was the nickname because they look like chocolate chip morsels. So much so that on my 30th birthday, we had like this big surprise party on, on the beach and they made me a t-shirt that said chicks dig my morsels <laughs> and <laughs> and i still have it i think uh, or maybe i threw it out wow i thought i i thought i kept it you would be uh, a yeah, terrible amazing. mother <laughs> i hope so i mean i'm just saying it'd be hard to nurse a child with those things <laughs> what well, what's you what's, don't what? nurse <laughs> that's, that's like backwards nursing though well, it's you funny don't milk is the kid. <laughs> no, I'm saying he would be a bad no, mom if. Oh, <laughs> because I wouldn't be able to get. It. It'd be like sucking through one of those coffee stirs instead of like a McDonald's no, straw. Wait, 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 wait! You don't milk the kid because we adopted our only child, <laughs> so I wasn't sure what to do. We've been milking him this whole time. You can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> That's right, Fokker. Yeah. I was no, because my sister, my sister always she's like, now I'm self conscious that I have small nipples because <laughs> you do. Oh my gosh! If I I'm a, like, I have no idea, but if I had a dollar for uh, every time I talked to my sister about her nipples, <laughs> <laughs> boy, this podcast is going off the Whoa. rails. Oh. It, r- we're right like off four the rails minutes in, and we're about done. Ooh. All right. Goodness so, uh, morsels. I will attest. I have seen Keith without his shirt on. Now, it was nothing weird. We were swimming at a lake with a bunch of other people. Um, uh, it was called skinny dipping, but, but swimming, whatever. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't remember like glancing over and being like, "Oh my gosh, what are those?" Like, because did... <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see them. It didn't like pop out like this. You know, I wouldn't be too self conscious. It wasn't that that much of an abnormal. I had a friend in high school who had really small nipples, and um, we used to call him Dime Store because (laughs) you could cover up his nipples with dimes, and they'd just disappear. So, yeah, I think that is about the diameter. Yeah, I'll have to check that. Maybe I'll check that in the after show. Yeah, we'll check that on the after show. Stay tuned. (laughs) Do you have a set of mics somewhere you can grab? Yeah. A what? Micrometers. A micrometer. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, if, I'll grab my woodpecker's uh, hook rule that I just got in the there mail. There you go. If you are I'll a, hook it right on the end. If, if you are a patron <laughs> and you want to find out the exact diameter of <laughs> nipples, then stay tuned for the after show and we'll, um, we'll dive into that. And if you're not oh, a patron, man. now's a perfect time to sign up because you know what you're wow. going to miss. So. Yeah. Yeah. Where can they find us on Patreon? Do either of y'all know? Shopsound slash patron slash dot com. <laughs> oh, you're so close. But I think we don't own any Patreon <laughs> domain. Darn it. <laughs> you, you can find us on patreon.com slash shopsounds podcast. Shopsounds. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And we've got a bunch of tiers over there that you can sign up. And I want to clear it up. Uh, when we first set up the Patreon page, I screwed up. And didn't give everyone access to the after show. I don't know how I, this happened, but old uh, Morsels called me on it last <laughs> two weeks ago, and I fixed it. So everyone now has access. If you sign up to be a patron, wait, you have access wait, to the after wait. show. How did he know about it? He's not a patron. Uh, I was asking him about something, and 
he said, does, does everyone not have access? And I said, let me look. And sure uh, enough, he was, he was right. Not everyone did. Cause I, so I, fixed, three it. Of I us, fixed it. Of the three of us, I'm the only one that can technically listen to the after show. Not right. anymore. Well, are you still a patron? I think so. I don't. I think you set You're yours still an at a one member. No, yeah, you set yours like as a one-time <laughs> pledge. I don't think so. I got the email last week for the after show. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm still paying wow. my money. Well, okay, that, then oh. you have access. Yeah. So I'm going to be right, pretty upset if that. you guys are listening to the after show and you didn't pay for it. <laughs> Well, I only listen to it because I have to edit it. Yeah, well, um, and I was there, and I have the recording on my computer. So uh, I can listen anytime I want. You can listen to one side of the three-way conversation. Yeah, that, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> There'll be a lot of long pauses. Son of a... Yeah, there's a lot of gaps in that conversation. Oh, so I'll like, just have to dominate the conversation. Why so do I, I get interrupted so much? <laughs> and then I don't talk for, for minutes on end. It's bizarre. Hey, speaking you know, of uh, patrons... We got a new one. Yeah. Mitch at Metolius. No, I'm just joking. It's Metolius. 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 Designs. Mitch. And, um, yeah. you know, we've been doing this thing where we're telling fun stories about our patrons. You know, it's worked out that we've had some stories. And um, Mitch just stopped by my shop day before yesterday. So maybe. No kidding. Maybe he. Looked around my shop, saw what a mess it was, and thought, this guy needs a little more money. <laughs> and went home and signed up needs because I didn't, I didn't like twist his arm. I didn't, we didn't even talk about the podcast. So way to go, Mitch, man. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. If it's the same guy. It could be. Well, well he's in Oregon. He's well, from this Oregon. Is, so. This is my question because you have on the shop sounds and show notes, uh, yeah. Mitch at Metolius Designs. All together. Uh-huh. Right. It's but an underscore. Metolius Designs is Metolius underscore designs. Okay. Is how. So it's either a different guy named Mitch who's got the exact same Instagram handle or you messed up big time, buddy. Well, what I did was copy paste <laughs> what he sent oh, me so as maybe, his Instagram handle. Uh, dude, oh, come on. Don't put the blame on our patrons. Yeah, that's not. Take the heat. I'm not bl- Take I'll blame no one. I'll just say I control C control V. Take That's the all bullet. I did. Oh. Mm. I don't. I don't know what his Instagram handle is. Okay. But. Well, and then we um, have some other top tiers that may maybe you'll hear their name throughout the show. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility. Yeah. But sprinkled. Let's just stick with Mitch right now because Mitch is on a hot streak. Let's talk more about Mitch because Mitch. Not only did he sign up for Patreon, he also hit us with a question right off the bat. That's right. And the question, what is it? The question is, sorry about your river house. No, he did. That's an inappropriate question. He did say yeah. that, but I'm seeing now that's an exclamation point, not a question. He then continues on and he says, my question I'd like an answer to is how do you set pricing on your pieces? Those that are custom and those that are standard. Jason had blanket ladders slash mountain oh, shelves. That was a long hmm. time ago, Mitch. How long ago was that? Um, Well, I used to make, when I first started out, I wasn't doing custom furniture because I didn't know how to make furniture, but I wanted to do woodworking and I wanted to try and sell stuff. So I was doing things everybody else does when they first start out. So I was doing little things, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing a lot of like the, they're not ladder shells, but they're just ladders that you can hang quilts on. You know? Oh yeah. Um, but those are a pain to ship. I quickly found out. And then <laughs> I was doing these, um, this is a fun story and you guys are going to call BS on this, but I swear to God, oh, this no. is the God's honest truth. Okay. I could probably even back it up with proof if I did the research. Um, <laughs> I was out in my shop one day. And I had this idea to do a shelf, okay? And I built it, and I made it look like a three-peak mountain. But it was a shelf, but it looked like a mountain. And I listed on my Etsy. This was like, I swear, six years ago when I did this. And I Mm -hmm. listed on my Etsy. I sold a zillion of those things. Definitely the most I've sold of one item ever in my entire life. I mean, a lot of these shelves. And then... Uh, Three. No, I mean, (laughs) a lot. I think... The first year, I mean, we can talk about money because I don't care. But the first year, I sold like thirty grand in just these little mountain shelves. What on Etsy? That's insane, yeah, man! I know it was a crazy. I had a, I literally had to hire two employees to come in and do these for me, and then I got hooked up with this group in Salem, and they were building them for me. Anyways, I finally decided <laughs> manufacturing is not what I want to do, and I stopped doing it. But dang, to, you're like the Pablo Escobar of <laughs> mountain shelves. To get to the point of my story. <laughs> Then everybody else started like ripping off the design and doing blah, 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 blah. But now you see these mountain shelves everywhere. They're in, I mean, I saw one in Target the other day, like mass produced. They're all over the place. But mm. guys, I did that. I was the, I was the first one to do that. Did you, uh, like patent it? No. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I mean, I'm not mad about it. I stopped doing them. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just saying that's kind of weird. Like when I put it online, I did a lot of searching. There wasn't anything like that online. Okay. It was very kitschy, yeah. very Pinteresty. But now I'm just saying those mountain shelves that look like mountains, they're everywhere. Huh. So I made a mountain shelf about four years ago. Yeah, you probably got the idea from uh, me. We know where sure. you got the inspiration. Do you, do you think so? I'm sh- well, I don't know huh. if it was from me, but it's probably from, you know, somewhere else seeing it. I don't know. It's possible, yeah. Or you I did just three- came up with the idea and it happened to be... Something that I doubt it was done. organic. No, yeah, I mean, there's no original ideas. Yeah. <laughs> when they first huh. started popping up, and I was still selling them, I tried on Etsy. I got a few of them blocked because uh, copyright stuff. Even though, because you can get things blocked on Etsy, even if it's not technically copyrighted, if it's a blatant like rip off of your stuff. Right. Mm. And so I got a few of them blocked. But then so many people were doing them. I was like, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. And then I stopped doing it. So. That's crazy. But nobody believes me because everybody sees them everywhere now. And they're like, yeah, sure. You were the first one. I swear. I swear. <laughs> it really, I really was. Okay. So. I take your word for it. Yeah. Well, so back to the question then. Oh, yeah. I forgot how about did, the question. Right. How, <laughs> how, how did you price it? Um, okay. So back when I was doing standard stuff, this works really good for standard stuff. And this is, you guys can expand on how you guys do it if you have a different way. But. I sure. would always um, add up the material cost. I would figure out the time it took me to make a piece and assign an hourly wage that I wanted to get paid. And then I would add 10 to 15% on top of whatever that amount was to figure out the price. Because hmm. there's okay. always things you don't think about in there. Right. So it's um, kind of cost plus or time and materials. Yeah, yeah. Just to you know cover bases. If I screw one up and I have to fix something or make another one or and then when I started doing furniture I just kept that going for furniture for a long time 
because it was just kind of a simple little formula to figure out how to price stuff. Um, and it works really good. I mean, it's great. But then what happened with me is I'm ADD and I hate building the same thing over and over again. And so right. as customers started requesting the same thing I just finished building, I didn't really want to do it. So I just started jacking my prices up thinking that that would, you know, turn them away from those pieces. But the problem was people seemed to not really care. And so then I was like, <laughs> right. oh, people will pay more than I've been charging. And so then I just started. Now people are like, how do you price out things? I literally just throw out a number and hope that it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done it, been doing it for so long that you kind of know. Anyway yeah, no, mind. that's You know what the materials yeah. are. You know how long it's going to take and what you want to make on it and what would be too outrageous of a price to give. So you kind of have a ballpark. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like crazy outrageous, like, you know, a $100,000 yeah. canoe, but. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. Mm. Mm. But, so let me ask you, Jason, since you do the most commissions out of the three of us, how many times have you given a client the go away price and they approve it? Oh, 70% of the time. Are you really that much? Yeah, probably. And it's well, then it's, it's worth it to do it every time then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and every single time I'm always like, uh, I should ask for more. Shit. <laughs> 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 I mean, it happened a lot at the beginning because when I look back at how I priced stuff when I first started out, I mean, I was charging like $500 for a dining room table and things like that. And I think part of it mm. was I wasn't confident in my skill and I just thought like it's not fair for somebody to be paying a lot of money for something that, you know, I just built. This is my second, third dining room table ever, you know. Right. Um, right. So that had something to do with it. But then material had a lot to do with it too. If you're only building things out of, you know, Home Depot pine two by sixes well you can't charge a lot of money for furniture it's just right you know and that's where i feel like a lot of people run into this problem with customers because customers have a price in their head already a lot of the time of like what they'd like to spend especially customers that come to you with like a picture they found on pinterest and they're like yep, oh i want sure. this and they're expecting sure. it's going to cost you know six seven hundred dollars but almost all the pinterest DIY tables, they are super cheap materials. You're like looking at what, maybe $200 in materials, if that, for a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Where this white oak hutch that I'm building right now, it's not even a very big hutch, but I'm pushing 850 just in materials to build this thing with all the white oak oh, wow. and everything. So, so you're charging like 851? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the, the one you're building right now? Yeah. With no back? Yeah. That's eight hundred and fifty dollars in white oak? Uh, with no back. Well, it's seven it was seven eighty eight in white oak that I ordered. Now I don't know if I'm gonna use all of it. Yeah. Um, okay. But then there's the Rubio, there's the hinges, mm -hmm. I mean sure. everything else in there. So Oh, I didn't know it was getting doors in yeah, it. It's was getting just a shelving unit. No, 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 it's getting cabinet doors yeah. on it. And then Hence the yeah. word hutch. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I was going to ask you guys if you do this, because the lady really wanted solid wood doors on the front, which I like doing solid wood doors, um, but they're going to be three quarters of an inch, and somebody asked me, like, how do you get your doors so they're not warped or whatever, and, you know, get the boards smooth and whatever. Um, I always start with five quarter when I do three quarter inch cabinet doors. 
hmm. so that I can mill it down so it's perfect. Because if I start with three quarter or 13 sixteenths or whatever, there's no way you're ever going to get a door that's not wonkified. You can't run it through sure. your joiner. You're going to lose the material, and then it's going to be like half inch right. or whatever. You're talking for the rails and styles? It's not shaker style. It's solid. Just oh, a oh, solid like, glued up panel. Panel door. Yeah, panel, oh, panel door. Oh, oh yeah, you got to start with five quarters. Yeah, yeah you got to have too. a little bit more beef. Yeah, so that, yeah, I would mill it down, let it rest for a day or two, and do what it's going to do, and then mill it a second time down to final dimension. Yeah, so that also adds to the cost because all the doors are solid. Yep. I mean, so when you think of basically the entire thing's five quarter white oak, that adds up super quick. So yeah. Oh yeah. Anyways, especially in the lumber shortage. I mean, water prices now they're Ugh. a lot higher. Like I just went to Lowe's today to buy a tool belt of all things for a prop for something completely different. But I just walked through the the hardwood just to see those hardwood prices at Lowe's are high to start with. But what I saw today was astronomical. Yeah. Like, well, if I could ridiculous. give one tip to anybody starting out woodworking that wants to start don't doing hardwoods, don't ever buy any hardwood from Lowe's or Home Depot because no. you're going to pay double or triple what you would pay if you find a good hardwood supplier. So. Right. No, absolutely. Anyways, back to the topic. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's basically what I do now is I just kind of throw out a price. But like Keith said, I've been doing it long enough that I know the inherent value of most things and kind of what the the going rate for someone of my skill level is. So it's a lot easier for me to do that. But if you're just starting out, I would say kind of get together a little formula like I had, um, make sure, I mean, the most important thing obviously is that your materials are covered and your hourly, you know, you're getting paid for your time. If you got that figured yeah. out and you want to throw a little bit of extra on the top, like I said, then great. The good, good place to start. And then you can easily scale that up as you get better, use the better materials. Your material cost is always going to be taken care of because you figure that in right at the start, but you can keep increasing your hourly wage as you think, you know, you're worth more. Sure. I think when I started out, I was making sure I made like $20 an hour. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Hmm. What do you do, Keith? Or uh, morsels? <laughs> well, before I was, before I focused more on furniture, I was doing more built ins and like bigger cabinets. So, on those, I would, I mean, materials weren't as much as like a walnut table, but you can easily figure out what a sheet of plywood costs and poplar for your rails and styles and all that. So I would basically sit there and figure out what I would do in a day. Like day one would be material pickup and knock everything down into size. And then the next day would be kind of assemble the boxes. The next day, assemble the doors. So I was able to figure out what I could do in a day. And then I just had a daily rate, which, you know, depending depending on the complexity of what I was building, it could be anywhere from $350 to $500 a day is the daily rate. So like Jason said, that's based on experience and what you, how long you've been building. Like someone who's been doing this right off the bat probably doesn't have the confidence to kind of charge that amount of money. And sometimes I still don't either. I'm like, yeah, I've never built one of these before, so I don't know if I can really charge the max amount. Um, but as I've got more into just one-off furniture, see where where I'm a little bit different than most people is because I do this as a hobby. So the money isn't necessarily the draw for me. It's 
the experience and trying to build something different as well as creating content around it. Um, but I can tell you the made-for-profit pricing guide that Brad and John came up with, I use that a lot. Um, you can get that. I think it's madeforprofit.com slash pricing guide. I think it's 19 bucks. And you go in there and fill out everything, your materials, your labor, uh, how much, what, what you want your margin or profit to be, 30%, 40%, 50%. And it just spits out all the numbers on what you can charge. So I was actually using it today because I had someone ask about the that Walnut X coffee table I built a few months ago or six months ago that was solid walnut and then it got a marble top. So a guy asked me to price it out uh, to be a dining room table base and he was going to put a glass top on it. So I went in there. I, my materials is 450 bucks for the walnut. And then you, it basically adds on 15% material, which you should always do because not every board you get is going to be perfect. There's going to be some waste there. There's going to be knots you cut around. And there's definitely a 15 to 20% waste factor in the materials that you get. Uh, and then I typed in, uh, like Jason was saying, the Rubio. I got adjustable feet. I got little rubber standoffs. Though. So those all go in your materials or extra parts. And then I figured out my labor, like day one was pick up lumber, uh, mill it down, and then let it rest. Day two was mill it again, glue everything up into the thick legs, cut the half lap joinery, uh, and probably day three would be, or day two into day three is cut for the dominoes and glue it up. And then the last day is final sanding and Rubio and then another coat of Rubio. So it came out to... With for thirty percent margin, I think it came out to nineteen hundred bucks. That's not bad. I sent them. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just figure it's three days of labor plus five hundred dollars, four hundred fifty, five hundred dollars in materials. Yeah. Plus, I got to drive it to you know, if the guy buys it, I drive it to Buffalo, which is a six-hour drive. So there was two hundred fifty dollar delivery fee in there. Yeah. Because that's six hundred six hundred forty mile round trip. Yuck. That is exactly the way that I would have pictured in my head Keith to come up with a price. With a <laughs> absolutely you know, a sheet, every detail, every minute accounted for, every <laughs> shelf pin yep. and rubber, you know, door <laughs> he stopper. Probably, he probably <laughs> prototyped his price. <laughs> probably. Do you charge for the prototype too? No, I don't. Those are free. Mm. Because okay. I keep them and then I give them away. See, one of my Christmas gifts. One of the things I hate more than anything is sitting down and trying to figure out how much material I need for a job. I just yeah. I hate doing it, and so that's why I love just throwing out prices. Because I know when I throw out a price, it's usually on the higher end. Um, but I know my materials are they're going to be covered. That's totally fine. And with my hardwood supplier, and I think this is the same with most hardwood suppliers around the country. But I'll go in and I'll just buy more than I need normally. And mm -hmm. if, yeah, if it's some, well, it. if it's some weird species that I'm not going to use a lot, if I don't use it and they're boards that haven't been cut, I can take it back and they'll give me a full re refund for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. So I'll typically just buy, you know, excess. And I, I mean, I use a lot of walnut and a lot of white oak. So if I have extra, I just throw it in the rack and then I can pull from it next time. But it's just nice to not have to even think through that. I'll just, yeah, just know I have enough. But you can't do that if you're going to really map out your price, like you said, and figure out exactly material costs and all that stuff. 
So, yeah. yeah. But I think you're, what you said before, too, where the people come at you with a picture from Etsy and, you know, I mean, that happened to me once. This woman came to me with a picture of this toy box that had three-dimensional letters on the side and there was like a full panel with hinge, uh, a hinge top. It's like this beautiful toy box. She's like, I saw this on Etsy for 200 bucks. Like the materials alone, even though it was kind of plywood and poplar, it was all paint grade, were $300 just in materials. Wow. And so people just don't, and I, I'm guessing that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are not professional furniture makers, so they're more on the DIY or sell some stuff on the side, kind of a side hustle. So like, maybe like David Summers. <laughs> um, of S- I don't know if S-O-S that was a good shout out or not. <laughs> Woodco. Oh, oh, you're, you're right. No, that may not have been the best segue. <laughs> I'm just joking, David. I have no clue if that's you or not. I'm just trying to fit your name in here. David Summers, SOS Woodco. <laughs> so they, they may be dealing with a clientele that isn't going to pay for things like walnut and white oak. And uh, so it becomes frustrating. Like, I'm not pricing anything out to be made of pine. It's like, that's yeah. not even worth my time or, or frustration. Well, this um, is probably going to sound, I don't know arrogant maybe is the right word for it but about two years ago i stopped taking on any piece that was under a thousand dollars it just it's not arrogant i just quickly realized that all the like little pieces like little like benches like for entryway or like yeah like little things like the toy box or whatever i mean people that wanted something out of a lesser quality material they wanted it for cheap they just ate up so much of my time Right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I just did away with all of that and I was like if it's not $1000 or $1500 or more I'm just I'm just going to automatically say no. I don't care what it is. Unless it right. was something that I, I like just really really wanted to build cuz I thought it would be super fun, but I don't blame you at all cuz I mean you're used to that mountain shelf mafia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the windfall from the mountain shelves. Well, and also your prof- you know, this is your livelihood, like to do I know, a, but I always $1000. I always feel bad when people like send me those kind of projects and I'm like, "No, I don't do anything for under $1000." I mean, it just <laughs> do, you, do you tell them that? Do you, do you yell, no, like, is that no, how you no, respond? No. That's not how I respond. But that's what I'm thinking in my head. I just feel kind of like a jerk like, "Oh, wow." So high and Is mighty. that in the footer? That's in the footer of your emails. No, I usually just say like, I'm really sorry. I just don't have time or whatever. I mean, yeah. Hashtag yeah. I don't get out of bed for a, a grand. Yeah. I have a 20 year backlog. But when you get into, I mean, I was really blessed in the way that I've just, I've never really struggled since I really got going, since I started kind of taking off on Instagram. And another thing that really helped me um, that I'll talk about in a second is getting hooked up with a really great interior designer but I got to the point where I was never really hurting for clients. I was saying no to a lot more stuff than I was saying yes to. Um, yeah. So it just made it a lot easier to do that. Now, if you're trying to get your foot in the door like I was at the beginning, you say yes to everything. I mean, you just you want the work and you want the money and that's totally fine. But when you get to the point where you have a lot of clients and you have a lot of bigger pieces, I think it's smart to say no to some of those small pieces and focus on the the money makers, because like a little coffee table or a mm-hmm. giant dining room table, it takes me about the exact same amount of time to build, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact right. same design. I have to cut four legs. I have to make a top. I have to do all the same pieces. But one, you get, you know, 
five to fifteen hundred dollars depending on the coffee table and the other you know i can charge three four thousand dollars depending on the dining room table so right when it comes to my time it just makes sense to go for the bigger pieces and i was listening to i forget which podcast it was unfortunately but i i thought they were right like people seem they will pay a lot more money for a dining room table comparatively than for for a cough, something like a coffee, something small like that. Yeah, like yeah. dining room tables, because people there, they usually, not me, but will sit there and eat their meals at them <laughs> with the family, <laughs> not on the couch with my coffee table. Like that. <laughs> uh, so it's like a centerpiece for the house, and they're, they're, you know, they'll pay more. But when you look at, like, I was on Restoration Hardware today, like your dining room tables on sale for $1,900 or $2,500. I, I, that's I can't do it for that. Yeah. Well, would, yeah. You know. well my favorite yeah. thing is when I get customers that send me a picture of a restoration hardware table and they're like, I love this. Can you remake it? Um, I just don't for want half I price. don't want to spend as much as they're charging. Yes. Exactly. And I'm like, um, no. I that's not how it works. I cannot do that. <laughs> Sorry. That's insulting. <laughs> yeah. Right. What about you, Nick? Yep. What's your um, you know, I was actually structure. thinking of that podcast. That podcast you were listening to, I think that was S Town. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> that, that, that wasn't, but is I've that listened to that. Is a, that is an no, amazing is that not podcast. Right? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I must have that confused. Anyways, mm. you edit how so I do many. my pricing. Um, when when I do actually price something for a client, which is kind of rare because I do a lot of stuff for family, because I don't know why all my family wants me to make them stuff now. I, I mean, I'm not complaining. Because you don't it's charge great. them anything. Apparently, yeah, I don't charge them enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I do have a client, I typically just have a really simple uh, equation that I do three times material cost plus 10%. And that's pretty much it. I always overbuy, though, like you said. So I do everything in SketchUp now. And I use Cutlist, which is a great extension that will tell me how much board foot I need. And mm. I always add about 10 to 15% on top because I know I'll screw something up or something will not be as clear and I'll have to have some waste, you know, here and there, but I'll probably add about 15% board foot and then just three times that on my cost plus 10%. And that covers pretty much everything. I, I don't get a whole lot of time in the shop. So my labor is kind of, not something that I can always count on. Like, I can't say this is only going to take me eight hours to to make because I may, like, I may be able to squeeze eight hours into four hours if yeah. that makes any sense. Well, and it's hard but, when your time's all broken up because, like, if I have really chunked up time, and I've found this a lot out during the whole quarantine thing, is that if I, like, work two hours here, two hours there, the first half an hour is me just remembering where I left off last time. Right. Yeah. Right. Before I even like, get to work. So yeah, it is really hard to add up your time when that's the case. Yeah, because I don't want to overcharge for labor if I'm spending 30 minutes just setting back up. You know, because I don't, I don't, you, you, typically I leave my shop in the middle of whatever I'm doing, but I'll clean up, put, st- you know, like the big tools away because I do still have like a working garage where my wife will pull her van in and my kids come in and out of the garage all the time. So I'm not going to leave you know, tools out. I'm not going to leave any chisels on the bench or anything like that, that they can, you know, haphazardly grab and slay their siblings with. So (laughs) 
I, I don't want to account for, you know, all that time that I'd have to take to reset everything. Yeah. Cause that could be, you know, a good 30, 45 minutes just to get my head right, to get back into the groove of so, whatever I'm making. Just so I heard you right. You do materials and whatever the costume or material is, materials are, you times that by three? By three. Okay. Yeah. That's it. And I typically add 10 to 15% board foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. on my material so there's a little pad in that yeah but not too much because i pretty much use almost everything that i buy because i mean i don't get everything straight and clear i mean from the mill that's perfect yeah so i mean it although i have decided i think i'm gonna maybe forego especially on this next coffee table i'm gonna make i'm gonna forego getting rough lumber and just do S3S and just save myself a lot of time and just bite the bullet, pay the extra. Mm. I don't know. I can't even remember how much my mill costs. Well, per, just you know, be board prepared foot. that um, S3S or S4S doesn't mean you don't still have to mill it most of the time. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm still going to have to less probably. Work, yeah, it is right, less yeah. work for sure. I mean, by far, if I get a rough board, I have at least one full day of milling. Whereas if I have S3S, then I can start getting everything to my parts, you know, list and then go back to the joiner, go back to the planer I know if I need some to. people absolutely hate milling, but I had to mill so much for this hutch. I mean, I had to mill everything to make all my pieces. And I don't know why. I just get in this like zen like state when I'm milling. It's just so enjoyable to me to take these boards that are all like rough and kind of like bowed or whatever and then you wind up with this like perfect stack of just like i don't know clean crisp i just like it it's fun Hmm. i like it too but i also like saving time because i don't get as much time in the shop anymore like yeah Yeah. only getting you know probably at maximum like six six to eight hours on a saturday with the random hour to two hours in the evening, uh, just on a whim. Yeah, you, like tonight, I got thirty minutes where I was applying Rubio to the, the treads I'm working on for our stairs, and I just can't, you know, guarantee that I'll have, you know, more than a Saturday. Well, not everybody can have as much time as Jeff Douglas <laughs> of uh, Fort Hammer Hammer Woodworking. Fort Hammer. Fort Hammer. That's awesome. Forthamer. You know. Fourth hammer. All right, let me ask you guys another question. Hamer. It's kind of related to the same thing. Um, yep. Because I was talking to somebody recently about this, and we had a very interesting conversation. How do you guys go about collecting money? Do you wait until you deliver the piece and get paid? Do you take a deposit up front? If so, what percent deposit do you take? How does that whole thing work out with you guys? Uh, I'll I go mean, first. I, go ahead. Let her rip. Okay. I, I always take 50% up front, and this is something I learned from my photography business is um, people have a tendency to back out, and the worst thing that could possibly happen is you only take 10%, and then they don't want to pay you the rest for a final product, Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're stuck with a final product, and you only got paid 10%. Mm. So nine times out of 10, like what we're doing is custom. And if somebody doesn't want a custom piece, who is going to buy a custom piece that doesn't necessarily fit their needs? Like if somebody orders, you know, a 65 inch by 48 inch dining room table 
who else is going to want that? Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And right. if you only took 10% on that and then your client backs out, that's going to, that's going to hurt. Yeah. 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 So I've learned, I've learned, um, I actually got burned a couple of times doing some weddings where, um, it's, it's crazy. You would think that people would want their wedding f- photographs, right? I had on two occasions, uh, brides and grooms, uh, they paid their deposit, which was only 10%. And then I shot their wedding. I went to deliver and I went to collect the rest before I deliver. And they didn't want to pay me. Wow. Maybe they so weren't they married did. anymore. Yeah. No, they were still married. Wow. I mean, at least at the time, but they didn't <laughs> want their photos. <laughs> so then I have, you know, their, their photos done, edited, and I only got paid 10% for it. That, and I, that is I don't have... I don't deliver. So it's like, what, what? That doesn't make any sense. But I, wow. I definitely don't ever want to have that happen with, you know, a wood project. Cause I, I don't have room for what mm. I'm making somebody else. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to put it in my house. Yeah. And I hate dealing with Facebook marketplace or Craigslist. Cause man, the minute you, the minute you list something on Facebook, you're going to get like 100. Is this still available? Yeah, Cause yeah. they have that mm-hmm. stupid button that you right, can just the automatic click. reply. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys, that. I've got a, um, I got a Craigslist story. I don't even know if I should say this on the podcast. Cause it kind of makes me a bad, well, I'll talk about it and I still have time to do the right thing. So you can tell me if I'm more, <laughs> you can tell me if I'm morally obligated to do something about this. Okay. So okay. actually, Mitch from Metolius Designs, he was coming out to my shop the other day. I'd never met him before. <laughs> um, he said he was going to bring me some beer. I don't know. He's just a nice guy. He wanted to stop by and say hi. He lives just down the road from me. But we were DMing back and forth, and he sent me this listing from Craigslist in Corvallis, which is only 20 minutes from me. And it was for uh-huh. a 55-inch track for a Festool track saw, brand new, in the box, I think they retail like 150 bucks or something. Anyways, this lady was selling it for like 90 bucks. It was brand oh. new. And I never buy anything on Craigslist, but I'm like, man, that's a good deal. I could use another track. All mine are all messed up because I run things into them. So <laughs> I wrote the lady. I'm like, hey, is this track still available? And she was like, um, actually, another guy wants it. But I follow you on Instagram, and I'd much rather give it to oh, you. What? <laughs> wow. So that was the first thing. And I was like, oh, well, if the other guy wants it, give it to him. That's totally fine. But she like was like, no, I haven't written it back yet. I really want to meet you. Like It was really weird. Anyway, so I was kind of creeped out oh. to begin with. Um, but then I go over there, and I show up, and she's got this track. She's a not old lady, but older, like probably 50s. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's not a woodworker. And so I'm kind of wondering like, where did you get this track from? And she goes, well, I ordered a elliptical machine and the box opened in the back of the truck and there was a bunch of like boxes spilling out. And so the UPS driver was just trying to shove all these boxes back into my one box. Then she goes to like put up the elliptical machine and she finds this track inside there. And she's like, I tried to contact UPS, but they wouldn't write me back, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I just decided to sell it on Craigslist. So I buy it from her. I get in my truck. Well, it's got the address on it of where it should have ended up. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I bought this track. Like, <laughs> I mean, she has my money. So I'm like, well, I don't want to just like give it to this 
person because then I'm out 90 but I don't know what to do what should I do I assume I assume they were compensated I assume that it was lost in the mail and they I I, absolutely they definitely got another one from wherever it came from what was the return address it was the woodcraft store in Portland yeah <laughs> no, I think no, that's no, our no, Woodcraft no. sponsorship. Yeah, that wasn't the that wasn't the return address. That's where it was supposed to go. Was to Woodcraft, right? Like it was. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh my. God. Oh yeah. So they're claiming yeah. that through insurance oh, yeah. through UPS. So Somebody paid for that. I've got this semi-stolen track. I was worried that you were going to say Peter Hansen was going to come out and say, "Why don't you have a seat <laughs> over there?" <laughs> No. Well, if this lady becomes a patron, you know, and that money kind of comes back to us, then. Yeah, it's all good. We're, yeah. Full circle. Yeah. No. And was she, like, disappointed or happy that she met you in person? Oh, she was happy. She started telling me about some projects she wanted done, but it was one of it was one of those projects that I just don't want. It was under a thousand dollars. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was like sorry, a, honey. It was a mantle for her fireplace with a secret shelf for her shotgun. Oh, they sell those uh, on Etsy. Yeah. John Malecki. John Malecki would love style. To help her out. Yeah, and I just <laughs> yeah didn't want to do that. So, <laughs> but anyways, back to um, deposits. I will say this: I do fifty percent as well, for the same reason okay. because I don't want to be stuck, you know, with only a ten percent deposit and somebody says no. But another thing that I found out really quick when I was getting a lot of orders, um, and I was building up a list. Some points I was booked out, you know five, six months in advance of people that wanted orders. And if I was to just take a 10% deposit, what it does is it creates these like high points and low points of income coming in where if I take a 50% deposit, I get the deposit up front for somebody that might not get their piece for six months. But as I'm moving forward in my build list, I'm getting more deposits. So I'm constantly getting more deposits along the way. And then every time I finish Mm -hmm. a piece, I get the other 50%. So it really made my income level out a lot so I could be a little Mm. more dependable. Where if you're just taking that 10% and you build up a big list, you're going to have these big spikes in your income level, which can be kind of hard to manage if you're relying on that income to live off of, which I was. So Especially if the materials cost more than 10%. Yeah, exactly. Because then you have to be out the money and then, yeah. Because I was talking to some guy about this, and he was saying that, yeah, he was just doing 10% for all these pieces, and he was booked out like a year or something. And I was like, dude, that is insane. But he felt really bad yeah. for asking for 50%. And I was like, why? They're going to pay They're going to pay 100% eventually. 100% eventually. <laughs> 50% yeah. makes them locked in. Like, you shouldn't feel bad. I mean, they got to pay you one way or the other, so... When you buy a piece of furniture online, you put the whole amount on your credit yeah, card. Yeah, exactly. And That's right. You it doesn't, you know, you don't pay when it gets delivered. What do you do, right. Keith? Fine. Exactly. All, all, well, all my quotes say 50% due upon acceptance of quote. However, like every job in recent memory has been for people I know, like friends, family, or friends of family. So I don't take it. I haven't taken anything. Um, but this quote that I sent out today, if I get it, then absolutely it's going to be 50% for just the reasons that you said. I don't want to be out $450 in materials. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you gotta, there's, like Nick said before, this is, they're contracting you for a custom piece of furniture. You know, you have, and you're in business to make money. So you have to protect yourself. Uh, 
so you don't lose that money. Yeah. Well, and in the or, same way that I was like, you know, I don't want to get 10% because then you get these spikes in income. Um, I was working with an interior designer for a long time and they wanted to pay me 100% up front. And at first I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get this huge chunk of cash. But it was the same thing. You get this big spike of money, but then you either have to be like really smart and like kind of spread that out over the course of a couple months. And finally, I was like, you know, if it's all right with you, I'd prefer you pay me 50% down Mm. and then 50% on delivery. I just I liked being able to have that money coming in at regular intervals. Well, I yeah. don't want to be paid a hundred up front. I have no motivation to finish the thing. Yeah. Like I'm already paid. I got what do I want to do? Yeah, yeah, for real. It's done. Well, and then it, <laughs> I know this is more psychological, but then I'd finish all the pieces and deliver them. And yeah, part of the motivation is you get this check and you're like, oh, money. But you drop yeah. them all off, and these are paid for sometimes six months ago, and it's like, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I just <laughs> got nothing for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really got ripped off. Yeah. You guys are getting a screaming deal on this one. Okay. No. <laughs> so anyways, that was a good little um, but, rabbit chill. What I'm really curious about is, um, I mean, I know, Nick, you talked about what you do, and Keith, you talked about what you do, but what does Nick from Stated Woods Co. do? <laughs> <laughs> man, you like how I just fit everybody in that's so awesome. seamlessly? That's awesome. You're a natural. Man. That is solid, man. Yeah. Whew. All right. Those are our... Hmm. Top tier patrons, by the way. So if you want your name yeah. just seamlessly, perfectly fit in, either in a good way or kind of an insult like I did with <laughs> SOS. Sorry, buddy. Um, join our, our patron patronage. Yeah. Which is where? Uh, Patreon slash shop sounds dot com. So close. So oh, close. That, almost. Was that not it? You got to do patreon.com. Oh, gosh. Yeah, dot com slash. Dot gov. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Patreon.gov. <laughs> but continuing on with our patrons, because Casey Clark, who's another one of our patrons, um, he asked a question. It's a little simpler, though. And yeah. it just says, how the three of us find each other and start a podcast? He wants an, yeah. he wants an origin story. Basically, yeah. Mm. Who who wants to start? I was just hitchhiking, and you guys picked me up on the way by. It's true because you already had something rolling. You were just coming back from the ni- nipple doctor, <laughs> the nipple enlargement surgery, which obviously <laughs> was a failure. Well, how did you and um, how did you two meet? For real, Nick and I. Yeah, WorkbenchCon um, year one. Yeah, year four. one of WorkbenchCon way mm-hmm. back. Yeah. What what year was that? 2018 17 17 yeah. was it oh yeah 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 17 long long time ago back in the old atlanta wow mm-hmm. three years i know it seems like forever <laughs> <laughs> seems like 10 <laughs> so, yeah three years seems like 30 and then me and yeah. keith met because we both got roped into their there used to be this theory that if you made these things on Instagram called pods, which is oh, yeah. basically a group of people on Instagram, and then you'd post in the pod when you posted a post, and then everyone in the pod would immediately go like and comment and save your post. Share and save. The yeah. thought yeah, was yeah. we were going to fool Pump the it. algorithm into bumping our posts up so we'd get more followers, which it, I don't think it ever worked. No. No, I don't think it did. No. No. But anyways, we both got looped in there from different 
people. And then that's how we met, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we met in person at WorkbenchCon 2018. Right? Right. Yeah. Or wait. Wild. Oh. 18 was the first year, was it? Is that right? Because we just had the well, third been WorkbenchCon three. in 2020? Yeah, you're right. So it would have been 2018. 2019, 2018. Yeah. So you guys met in 2018. So me and Keith met in 2019. That makes more sense. And then I met Nick. Where? I feel like it was through Blake Weber who started our other podcast that we used to be on. That's right. Called That's right. The Craft Died. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what oh, The Craft yeah. may someday die. The Craft in Morandum. Yeah. Yeah. But then we met at WorkbenchCon 2019 as well. Right. That's right. That where, where we started we that recorded podcast. recorded the first podcast. That's correct. Yes. That's that's right. And for some well, reason, Casey, you're happy now. now yeah, you know. some some reason, all three of us are still friends. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's funny. But I'm the only one out of <laughs> the three of us, other than Keith himself, who's seen the morsels. <laughs> <laughs> Check our Instagram page tomorrow, and you might see them. <laughs> I'm gonna post one Hershey kiss. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Just exactly. Just Not a Hershey, a Hershey kiss. kiss. I wish they were that big. A chocolate chip. <laughs> it's got. <laughs> yeah. Hershey kiss. Stop being generous. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's quite. That's uh, quite a projectile there. All right. Quite a protuberance. Well, we got through all the um, patron questions. We got just a little bit more time. Do we want to give a yeah. quick rundown of what we've been up to? Yeah. Yeah. I w- I was gonna tell you about what I did tonight. Yeah. I, tell uh, us the Rubio saga. Yeah, I put the second coat of Rubio on my stair treads. So if you're listening and you aren't following me, you should be. Mm-hmm. But I have been redoing our stairs and I started off with the bottom six stairs of our staircase. We have a split level house. So the landing in between the bottom and the top set of our stairs is our front door and there's hardwood uh, on the landing and it's red oak. But it's kind of a, a odd colored red oak. I, I cannot put my finger on what it is because, like, throughout the day, it changes colors. Like in the morning, I see it as more red, and then Burgundy. in the evening, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that a top tier patron? <laughs> uh, scotchy, scotch, scotch. <laughs> and then uh, in the afternoon, it looks a lot more uh, yellowish. So, like, as the sun goes over our house, like, the shadows change the colors of the, that floor, like, dramatically. Mm. It's it's just really odd. So, I've had a rough time trying to figure out how to match it. And I, I had decided from day one that I was going to Rubio the stairs because I wanted to be able to uh, touch them up quick. Because mm-hmm. I know with, I've got three kids, them going up and down the stairs, in and out the, outside all the time, the stairs are just going to get hammered. Uh, if they're hardwood and I figured Rubio would be an easy way to, you know, touch them up, just quicksand, hit them with the oil and they're, you know, it blends in perfect as opposed to, you know, if I did like a film finish where I have to sand them all down to raw wood again and then do it again, that I, that just sounds terrible. So I didn't Mm. want to do that, Mm. but trying to match those old hardwood floors, which I, 
I learned that they refinished them in 2012 when they rented our house before we bought it. So they're eight years old and eight years of traffic, eight years of sun and just age in general has, you know, changed some of those planks. And some of the planks are really dark and some of them are a lot lighter. So that alone is hard to match. Let, you know, aside from color changing all through the day, but right. I, I went on your recommendation morsels and picked up <laughs> mahogany mm. as, as a base and I put it on my test piece and it is so red, like just way too red. I think I shot you guys both a, a picture of it and I was like, is this yeah. too red Is or is it just me? And yeah, it's, it was way too red. So I, I ordered a couple more test colors and I went with dark oak and castle brown and I tried a couple more test pieces because I still had off cuts from those treads that I'm using. And by the way, I'm using retro treads that you can yeah, buy at, at the, the box box store. They're awesome. I kind of like sorted through their stack of them and picked out the best looking grain ones and, you know, kind of picked and choose, but they are awesome. They're flat. They're straight. They're really well, well made. And they've got the bull nose with the cove molding under underneath it. Yeah. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. I'll, it saved me a ton of time, mm-hmm. but, uh, I put, the mahogany on it to start too red. So I put castle Brown on, on top of it as the second coat. Cause, uh, which I learned from you guys that you can put second coat of Ruby on and it brings up the sheen a little bit, mm-hmm. but also it changed the color on it. So it added a lot more Brown to it, mm-hmm. which I think it looks great with the, did you try, the, uh, um, like mixing colors to make your own? I, I thought about it, but I, I didn't know how, like, what kind of ratio. And I thought that, you know, I could have could have been at that, like, all day. Like, yeah. do I do, like, yeah. a 50-50 or do I 60-40? Do I 10%? So I only had six cutoffs to really play with. So I was down to two left after. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> so, but I settled on the Castle Brown uh, as the second coat, and I put that on tonight. And then I took up uh, one of them. They're still kind of a little tacky, so they need like 24 hours to dry. But I put one of them on the stairs. And, uh, well, what? You're you're looking at me all funny. Well, what do you mean tacky? It should be completely dry to the touch when you wipe the excess off. Well, I wiped the excess off, and you could still feel like it was moist. Not like uh, wet, but like if you touch it with your finger, you'd leave a fingerprint. So you didn't wipe the excess off? I yeah. wiped the excess off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, that, I that, that oak is pretty porous and there's a lot of like, nooks yeah, and it's open and grain. That grain. Yeah, I yeah. will but say. Yeah, you shouldn't. F- with white oak, I don't touch it after I've wiped it off. And I wipe it off really good. I'll keep wiping and wiping and wiping until my rag's yeah. pretty clean. But I think it is because it is so porous. It will show fingerprints still. Yeah. Mm. Well, it it's funny you mentioned that. Now that I think about it, it was in some of the really more figured or like, cathedral grain that yeah. i was seeing more of that kind of wetness so i guess it's kind of coming out of those well pores. and what i've noticed with white oak too or i mean red oak it's pretty much the same thing it's all the same yeah. um <laughs> bite your tongue <laughs> 
is that sometimes I'll put it on, I'll wipe it all down, and then I'll wait like an hour or so, and then I'll go wipe it again. Because it's almost like it soaks in as much as it can, and then you wipe it down, and then it like spits out a little bit. Like it kind of comes yeah. comes back out. So Yeah. I might go look at it after we're done here and see if I need to wipe it down again. Or my, I might even... What I was actually planning on doing is tomorrow is I've I picked up a, a like a six inch a cotton buffing pad. I might just run a, a random orbital over it and just you know buff it. Yeah, that also I, brings I up the, it brings the sheen up a little bit too when you do that. That would be that would be good for me because I I think we were texting and you know said the original flooring that I've got has got poly you know film finish on it, so it's got a mm. little bit more gloss than what Rubio will give. And that might help blend. The well, two looks and it together. is crazy how you could have the identical flooring color as your floor, but if the yeah, if, oh, yeah. if the sheen's off, it really looks different. Right. Yeah. And the Rubio, I think, will be a little bit more matte than what the film finish I've got currently. Yeah, you could put maintenance oil on it, and that'd really bring up the sheen. But that you can't touch you it. You can't up. touch it up then. Yeah, see, I don't want to do but that. But what you could do is you could get the maintenance oil in Castle Brown, and then you could just oh. touch it up with maintenance oil. Just keep doing that. Yeah. That's interesting. That is something to think about. All right. So Put that in my back pocket. Yeah. That's a hefty uh, chunk of change. To They only make those in, like, the bigger bottles, right? The maintenance oil. Oh, I guess you could buy the little sample bottle. Yeah, you could buy the sample bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does go quite a long ways. And what I like to do with the maintenance oil, it makes it go a little farther, is before I use it, I'll set it in, like, a bowl of warm water. Okay. And it just makes the viscosity a little lower, and I just think you can stretch it a bit further than when it's really thick, just sitting in the bottle. waters it down. Yeah. That's a good tip. Heats it up a little bit. Interesting. Yep. So I got the uh, second coat on tonight, so it dries tomorrow, and then I'll glue and throw some pin nails on it. Which <laughs> did you guys see my post? Uh, my yeah, dude, well, Brad Nailer. <laughs> I saw you were trying to reenact my festal Sander in the garden. Yeah, I w- uh, I think scene. I was. You, you were my muse. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was using that that cordless nailer to to nail up the risers. And mid, I don't know, I think I was like on the fourth or fifth riser and it just stopped firing. Didn't give me any kind of like warning or any, like, you know, act up. It just pulled the trigger, nothing. And I took it apart thinking surely it's something simple, like maybe a loose connection on the trigger or something. It was a ri- nothing. rigid? Yeah, it was. It was a rigid. So this is my theory, okay? Rigid... A year or two years ago, I don't remember when it was, they pulled all of their, like, they were working with a lot of content creators, and then they pulled all that stuff off. They're not really working with content creators yeah, anymore. no one. Right. I wonder if it was because they had so many tools crap out on people. <laughs> I, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and it was, like, hurting them more than it was helping them. Because I've had so much rigid stuff that just stops, I mean, just falls apart. Yeah, what, this is a $200 brad nail, a brad yeah. nailer. I mean, I'd... Luckily, it was sent to me, so I I didn't have any money out, you know, from it. But for a tool to just quit, and I I babied it like I'd probably shot maybe two hundred nails out of that thing, like nothing, and it just stopped. 
Mm. And then I opened it up and looked at it and everything looked fine. Nothing out of the ordinary or anything. Of course, I don't really even know what I'm looking for, like technically on most of that stuff. But I was looking to see if there was like a broke connection or a loose solder or something that would be obvious. And I didn't see anything. So right in the trash, it went. I thought and, they had some kind of lifetime warranty on there. Yeah. But well, you got you to fill out paperwork. Yeah. Ooh. And you have to wait. Or they just hand you another one, depending on whatever mood they're in at Home Depot, I think. Mm. But you, I mean, you and probably 30 other people DM me saying, they got a lifetime service agreement. You can just take it down there and the the LSA. LSA, yeah. I I think if you have to use an LSA, it's not worth having. Mm. Like, what, (laughs) what, why would you buy? Like, okay, I, I understand the concept. Of having a like a cushion where if this tool ever dies, I can take it back and they'll replace it for free, no problem. Mm-hmm. But how many times do you have to do that? And you're down a tool, and you're waiting for that tool to get back before you're just like, I should have bought a better one. I will say the one rigid tool that I have in my shop is their oscillating bench top uh, belt sander spindle sander. Oh yeah. And it yeah, actually works. Everybody has it that. actually works really well. But I'm on the third one. <laughs> uh, are you? Right? Uh, yeah, because yeah. the motor's burnt out twice. But they did replace it both times. Yeah, they're giving another one, or yeah, they sent. Yeah. they sent me another one. Um, but you had to wait for it. It wasn't too bad, actually. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard conflicting stories on people that have like waited like three and four weeks for something. Well, one time they or, sent me one and another time they sent me to home Depot to get one. Okay. So I don't know oh, how okay. that works, but they said, yeah, you can go to home Depot. Just, they had all my information. I just picked one up. So, yeah. Anyways, but I yeah. mean, it works really well when it's working well. Oh yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, the motor's just, as do most things they just would stop working but that i mean i bought that when i first started out and i built a specific spot for it so it sits down flush with my workbench and then it's on a drawer so it pulls out i need to get it out farther so i really don't want to get something else because it fits there yeah it won't yeah when you grizzly makes one it's like when you buy a fridge and it fits the hole in your cabinet perfect you got to buy the same (laughs) size fridge and that's the only right the only thing that's going to fit there so yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, best of luck with the stairs, buddy. Yeah. No, they'll be done pretty soon. I'm I'm going to use my trusty pneumatic nailer and nail in the stairs with some glue, so You'll be ascending and descending with pride in no time. Yeah, it'll be a step up. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> man. Okay. One one step at week. a time, Nick. That's right. That's one step at a time. <laughs> Keith, do you uh, start pouring concrete yet? I didn't. I have to. So I'm doing these little two patio tables, outdoor side tables. One out of White Oak, one out of Sapile or Sapile. Uh, Jason, Jason uh, hooked me up with his contact at Z Counterform uh, Concrete Countertop Solutions because I wanted to do inch and a half thick white tops for these, uh, and they were gracious enough to give me all the materials. So I drove up to Scranton. On Monday, oh, Scranton. <laughs> what p- the electric city? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
the compact <laughs> car in the compact spot. So That's I right. grabbed all that stuff and uh, hopefully start pouring this weekend. I got to build a form for uh, two forms, I guess, because I'm making two tops. Uh, Did they not yeah, have a uh, circle form? Uh, I forget what he. I forget what I think. What he gave me, you can curve cut, but I don't think it's an actual bendable thing. Oh yeah, it'll bend around a radius. I, I gotta look at what they sent, but if not, I can easily uh, make something. Uh, so yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing. And then next, I get this built-in closet for my nephew, which drawings are all done. I ordered all the plywood, ripped it up at my buddy's cabinet shop on Monday, and uh, so if not this weekend, next weekend I'll start on that. Sweet. Mm-mm-mm. Do you have Back to put to paint grade? Do you have to put any like? mesh or anything in that concrete or is it small enough that he said you can't use those clips like you use where it it holds that mesh in place right didn't you have to like yeah yeah s- screw because, down because you'll clips? see the bottom is that it? Yeah, yeah right so but he said you can still set that mesh in there so i think they gave me some um because it's you know a 24 inch round top so i mean it could could fracture yeah uh hmm. so i'll I'll try to put something in there and hopefully it doesn't sink to the bottom and show through. Mm. <laughs> cool. But mm. so you're working on a uh, a backless cabinet? Yeah. And see-through. Oh my gosh. It drives the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where the client's got an idea in her head of why she wants something a certain way and i'm trying to talk her out of it but she's just hell-bent on having this thing not have a back on it which i think looks so dumb yeah but especially yeah, when especially she pushes things through and they fall out the back yeah well it's going to be against the wall gonna... she's really concerned about storage space inside this because it can only be so deep because of the space that's mm. got to go in and she wants as much storage in there as possible. And for some reason, she thinks a quarter of an inch backer, which I could just route out, you know, on the back and set it in. So it would literally just be a quarter of an inch. But mm-hmm. she just thinks that's that's going to be too little storage inside. So <laughs> no back. And it sticks because I'm doing a YouTube video on it. And yeah. I would never build something without a back on it. So I'm going to just have to say in the YouTube video that this is what the client wanted. And I'm also having plans built for it. Well, now the plans aren't going to match what I'm building because, of course, I'm not going to make plans for a backless piece. So I made the plans with, right. a, with a back in there, and I'll just have to make mention of it in the video. But mm. it is what it is. I have been um, – I don't know why I did this either. I decided not to use the domino joiner on this one, and – I did stop dados with blind tenons, I guess, or I don't even know what to call them, haunched tenons. I don't, I don't know. You can't see the tenon. There's a lip on it, so it covers the tenon, and then it sits down in the dado, so it's all you can't see it at all. Yeah. Can you see any tenon ever? Um, mm. that's tr- unless it's a through tenon. I guess that's true. You can see them on the back that's because it. you can slide them in from the back. So on the back, you can see where the tenon goes. Oh. In. So you can see it on the back. You can't see it anywhere else. But I'm putting this whole thing together, and the well, if there was a back on it, you wouldn't be able to see it. It's <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> but I'm putting this whole thing together with these, you know, tenons that I had to do with the router and everything. It took a long time, and I'm thinking, this is literally. It would be exactly the same with the domino joiner. It's no. Yes. It's no different. 
Not, right. None whatsoever. I think I just got so many people on YouTube tell me all the time, like, <clears throat> oh, it must be nice to have a domino joiner. Oh, blah, blah. That I was like, fine, I'm just going to do something without it. But then, <laughs> yeah. then today I made the base for it and I used the domino joiner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, these two tables Take I'm building, that. one of them, the white oak, I use the domino, but the sapile one, I'm doing a traditional mortise and tenon. And after, because it has to be an angled tenon to go into, because the, the legs are splayed at three degrees. So it's just, it's a ton of work. And I walked into the house at the end of the day on Saturday and I looked at my wife. I said, that is why I bought a domino. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, because I do not, it's still not like. I still have to finish the tenons on the top, like all the mortises to cut, but I have to make four more angled tenons and then I'm going to draw bore them. And it's like so much extra work. And literally, yeah, just for YouTube. Yeah. So I can show people that this is how you could make it if you didn't have a domino. And see, that's the hard can... thing with doing client stuff is like I said, like I, I fall into this pattern of I end up doing a lot of the same things. Well, I don't want to make the same YouTube video over and over again. Yeah. So I'm trying to like tweak things so it's a little bit different. The other thing I did different on this was a lot of times when I'll do a hutch, I'll have like the carcass and then there'll be a top on it. And sometimes I'll overhang the top, maybe like a half inch around. So it overhangs. It's a nice reveal or whatever. Um, but on this one, I wanted to design it a little bit different. So the sides come all the way up and then the top is suspended in between the two side pieces. So the side sticks up, oh, half inch above on each side. Mm -hmm. But then I wanted to add a rounded profile to that. But it was tricky getting that rounded profile because I didn't want it to round over and then have a gap and then the top to start. I wanted the round over to end exactly where the top started. So it was just barely sticking up. That was hard. Mm -hmm. It was harder than I thought it was going to be <laughs> to get it to just be perfect. I mean, you would think like, oh, just leave it a half inch and use a half inch roundover, and that's that. But depending on how you have that roundover bit set in your router, it's not always exactly a half inch, and so it took a little bit of playing, but I got it. So yeah, wow. no, it looked good. Yeah, I'm happy with it. So I still haven't actually glued it up. Dry fits perfect, which I mentioned in my stories always makes me nervous. <laughs> Because yeah. when the dry fit's perfect, usually the glue up's a pain in the butt. It's not that it's too tight. It's just whenever I've had a dry fit and it's like, okay, everything looks good. This should be simple. It just never is. Nope. Well, that glue is going to make that tenon swell. Yeah. I'm just going to work really quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, <Are> you... <laughs> what I also decided to do was um, I finished the whole base before I glued it up. And then I finished the base. Like I put Rubio on the base. I flipped over the bottom piece of the hutch and I finished the bottom with Rubio and then I attached the base to the bottom piece. So now I have a nice platform that I can work off of and don't have to worry about once it's all together, getting under to that base and finishing and everything. Yeah. And then I think I'm going to do my two middle support pieces and the top, get that glued up. So I really only have four joints that I have to work with. Let that dry. I can get it nice and square. And then once it's dry, I can just slap those two sides on, which should be pretty easy because they're coming in, you know, straight from the sides. Um, yeah. And then I glued mm -hmm. up uh, doors today. So the other thing is this lady doesn't want any hardware. She wants the doors to be cut at a 45 on the inside, so there's kind of like a wedge, you know, that you can grab onto. 
Oh, yeah. But the way she had it originally designed, there's not enough room on those supports for the doors to shut and have enough room for you to get your fingers in there. Plus, she wants <laughs> uh. three cabinet doors, which always drives me crazy because you have two opening one way and one opening another oh, way. Yeah which I just don't like. So I'm going to add some material on either side of those two middle supports just to thicken them up a little bit. But it's just going to be kind of a, you know, fake thickness. It's not going to be the whole depth, but it's just going to create a surface for those doors to land on so that I can spread them out a little bit so that you have enough room to get your fingers in there. And it's just, you know, client dictating designs don't always work mm. work out the best, but... Yeah, but this is my last real client build. So, it. hoorah! Last hurrah! The last oh, one. Yeah. So it makes sense that it's a pain in the butt. That I'm a, <laughs> that's a nut buster. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's me. That's Keith. That's Nick. And we're right. we are over an hour. We've gotten a little extra tonight. So yeah. whoa, we've gone long. An hour and a quarter. We are gonna go measure Ooh. Keith's nipples in the after <laughs> show. <laughs> or morsels nipples. Nipples oh, right. nipples man. morsels. Morsels morsels. Morsels yeah. morsels. Yeah, morsels morsels. In the after show. So if you want to see that uh and you're not a patron, you need to go sign up for our Patreon program at patreon.com slash shop sounds. Did I get it? Wow. Oh, almost. Uh, Shops on for- podcast. Podcast. Oh, That's right. F. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> Ball. right. It's go. morsels. Balls. M- morsels. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to sign off. And guys, we really appreciate you listening. We would also appreciate it if you head over to the iTunes app, podcasting app, and leave us a five-star review and also type something out. Something nice. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, about how much you like morsels, morsels. Yeah. <laughs> Do you prefer dark chocolate chips? Absolutely. Or milk chocolate 70% or higher. Mm-hmm. 70% or higher morsels? Mm-hmm. Mm. The darker the morsel, the sweeter <laughs> the juice. I like the peanut butter morsels. <laughs> oh, I like the white chocolate. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll continue this All in right. the after show. We'll see All you guys right. next time. See ya. Bye.